thanks to Buy Association for supporting the Property Insiders podcast. Buy Association is an award-winning investment company specialising in the UK property market. For more information, visit buyassociation.co.uk. Hi, I'm your host, Charlie Fisher, and welcome to the Property Insiders podcast. In this episode, we will explore how to buy a property in the UK with insider tips on choosing the right agent, submitting the best possible offer, right through to the completion stage on your dream property. I'm joined today by three of UK Sotheby's International Realty Agents, Head of Mayfair and Marlebone, Shireen Malik, Belgravia and Pimlico, Will Tremlett, and Head of North London Sales, Lee Kaufman. So hi guys, how are you today? Good, thank you. And you? Good, I'm great, thanks. Fantastic, let's go. Let's go, let's (laughs) do it, let's go. Let's talk about buying. There are a lot of factors when buying a property in the UK. How does a potential buyer go about choosing an agent to help them with the buying process? I think you've got to start with a little bit of research. Um, These days we have the internet, um, and that is basically our shop window uh, globally. And uh, once you've done a little bit of research, you can start to to gain some knowledge, only some, on what you can get in the number of bedrooms that you need, the number of receptions um, for your budget. Um, you've really got to decide why you want to, to buy. Um, is it a family reason? Is it downsizing, upsizing? Is it uh, for financial reasons or is it purely for a location move? And just to lead on um, from Will's point, I mean, I've been through the process and and I did it quite recently. And I think our first step was, where are we looking? Um, And you've got all these portals and and, and likewise, like the Sotheby's website, you can put in London, then you can scale it down. You can put in central London, then you can scale it down and put W1. You really want to pinpoint where it is that you're looking. Where is your most desirable place to live? That's where you would start. And then you would work your way out like a little web. I feel that the first instance, it's really important to actually put yourself in a position where you can actually buy a property. I deal with a lot of people that come and have a look at properties and they take an interest in some of the properties. And then at the final stage of of the first or the second viewing, they then turn around and say, well, we actually have something to sell. Now, it was a complete waste of their time and my time. and our clients' time, showing them properties that they're not actually in a position to buy. So I think that in the first instance, you've got to put yourself in a position to be able to buy. If you've got something to sell, sell it first. If you haven't got anything to sell, then get all your finance in place. And then you're in a position to strike and you're in a very good position to negotiate hard. So where would potential buyers start when it comes to researching house prices and the right location for them? Do they start online? Would you go to an agent? I think that a lot of people have already got a feeling for where they want to be. And it's a matter of going online thereafter, going for walks in the area, looking at certain streets, favouring certain streets, and then essentially working with a few local agents and establishing quite a few points of what you're looking for, narrowing down the search, and then you get to a short list of properties, and then you can take that process to the second stage and really start looking at making an offer or something. And you've got to remember, not everything is online. So though... I think there's a statistic out there where 80% of searches start online. Um, It's always good to go in to an estate agency and have a conversation with an agent because he may know of something or they may know of something that's not in the window or online um, and not fully available to the open market. Yes, you would have have done a lot of research uh, in terms of 
if you're moving out of town, uh, what the best commuter line is to to work. Um, even if you're moving within central London, uh, and I find people who have bought in in Belgravia, they they upsize and they downsize depending on the age that they might get to, um, and they they get fairly familiar with the areas. So that that's almost your hard work sorted there and then. Um, and you, you you've got to find an agent that's going to give you some information. Um, if you ask the people on the ground, uh, you are likely to actually find out what's going on now rather than what happened six months ago. So it can be quite fluid. Once a buyer knows the area that they'd like to live in and they know their budget, what's the next step? Viewings. Viewing, viewing, viewings. Uh, you've, you've got to see these places. Um, there are obviously properties that are very, very similar to one another. Um, back in the day, uh, you know, you could be, you, you, you identify a street uh, and if you're slightly further out, uh, they might all be about the same and you've just got to decide which one is, is the right condition and configuration for you. But I think in central London, there are so many different styles of, of houses. Uh, they can all look fairly similar as you walk down the street, but some are a bit wider, some have different configurations at the back, and they might flow a little bit better than, than others. Some will be lighter than others. And until you've actually seen probably, what, five examples on a certain street, then, then you're getting quite knowledgeable. I agree with Will. Um, I think a lot of people, certainly now that we have the internet, make the mistake of prejudging whether they're going to choose to see a property just by looking at the images and the floor plans, and that doesn't give you a feel for the property. As Will says, natural light, volume, a lot of these things are decision makers. Once you've seen the property and you get a feel for it, well, you fall in love with it. And you, you, you fall in love with it, not for the floor plan and the configuration, but for the light, the feeling, the volume. I think that's a really good point, Lee, about not it's unusual for you to agree with judging <laughs> something by photos. I think it's really important to go ahead and book that viewing. You need to get out there and see online. as much as you can. Yeah, definitely. And and you get a sense of space when you're viewing. Um, some agents may say to you there is a limit to viewing, and there is because you don't want to take in too much information. You don't want to be viewing absolutely everything that there is, even if it doesn't match your requirements. So I think it's worth in your mind or on paper or however you like to do it to have a short list of your requirements. I'm sure there's some things that may you may need to compromise on in the end, um, whether it be garden space or outdoor space or or you know whether you're looking for parking. But it, it's good to make a short list and, and follow that list. And then hopefully that will condense down further and you'll be left with the one that you like. Is it a good idea for people to view properties that are over or under budget just to see what's out there and what they could potentially have? I think the properties that are viewed as under budget they're probably going to be looking at as an opportunity as to whether or not they can create value if they ultimately use all of their budget they could add space add value and now all of a sudden they've got themselves a deal um the flip side of that is uh yeah most most a lot of people would actually uh, look over budget with a view of negotiating um the brexit situation that we're in at the moment and the term turmoil that the property market faces is is allowing deals you know quite heavily negotiated deals to happen um, and that's by predicament of circumstance to the vendor itself so yeah I mean if I was looking at buying a property for a million pounds I'd probably be looking at 1.5 with a view of negotiating 
maybe not that extreme, but within 10, 20% is in my experience in Belgravia. Yeah, I, I believe that's that. That's pretty much the same with Mayfair and. Yeah, I, I would say it's a lot more in North London. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, hell of a lot more. Oh, really? Yeah. So it really does depend on the area. Then it does. Yeah, it, it really does depend on area. Obviously, through Brexit and um, through the market that we're in at the moment, um, all areas are different how they're performing and what areas they are. So a potential buyer has found a property that they're happy with. Where do they start when thinking about a mortgage? They really should have researched the mortgage sometime before uh, making an offer. Um, the better buyers are the uh, more fluid buyers who have got a mortgage in principle. What I mean by in principle is having answered the whole ream of, of, of questions from the banks uh, and you can choose your best rate, uh, that puts you on the front foot. And it makes you a stronger buyer. Absolutely, Will's right. You, you've got to have some some sort of plan in place. Um, you should have spoken to a mortgage broker or advisor or your bank. And like Will said, in principle, have something there. It automatically puts you in a stronger buying position as well if you have got another person that's looking at the property. You'll be getting closer to the, uh, the the old adage, cash is king. Yeah. So it's better to buy in cash. If you can, it puts you in the in the very best position to proceed. Um, uh, certainly timing-wise, uh, it, it, it might raise you above uh, someone who's even made a slightly higher offer. Um, imagine a, a seller's position having two very similar bids, one requiring finance at, let's say, 75% or having a cash buyer you'll probably go with a cash buyer, I hate to say. So if you do have a mortgage in principle, that brings you closer to the cash purchase situation. So that brings me on to asking you guys, how does the potential buyer make an offer? In the first place, I think the first offer would be verbal. Uh, It should be an indication of where you want to start the negotiations. Um, The good thing about that is you can talk through your situation with the agent. Uh, He is, after all, your communication to a vendor that you haven't met, uh, possibly. Uh, You don't perhaps know their situation. Um, So have a long conversation with the agent explaining, yes, your financial position, also, your uh, your timings um, and where you are really on on your values. Um, whether there's a little bit of room to negotiate upwards is is, is nice to have that for an agent uh, to have that on the table. Um, but start off verbally. Um, but I do believe that when you start getting a bit more serious and you've got a bit more feedback from the vendor, whether that's a counter offer. Um, Whatever reaction it is, it's always best to get it in writing with lots and lots of details. Be open about it. Who is your lawyer? Um, Who are you getting your mortgage through? Are you a cash buyer? All those kind of questions. Get them written down. It's amazing what a bit of paper does for a vendor to look at. 
Yeah, transparency is key at this point. Um, you, you've got to be able to sort of lay out step by step your process. Like Will said, you know, what is your mortgage percentage? What are you just the more transparent you are, the easier it is for the seller to make a decision or counter offer. Um, I think it's also important to add, um, and I see this quite a lot, is fixtures and fittings is what we call it. What is it that you want to take with the apartment? Naturally, in central London um, and, of course, outside London as well, um, when you are buying, you are buying just the apartment unless stated that the furniture is included. So you've got to go around sort of just making a tick list or a checklist of everything that you want that you are either willing to pay for is either included in the sale or that you don't want. And, and, and that's key because any miscommunication in the middle of this sort of from offer to agreement, it can get lost if you don't put it down. I agree with Shireen. I think that the vendor is looking for commitment and he's looking for certainty. So Will said earlier about being in a position to command a quick exchange. Well, that is going to be important because at the end of the day, they want that commitment to be able to move on with their lives. So what's the final process on buying a property? Uh, Thinking about how you're going to decorate it. You've bought the house. Now it's going to be your home. It's going to be a dwelling where family are going to enjoy many, many years of fun and growing. And I think once you've had that completion, uh, everything shifts to, well, how do I want to live in this property? Do I want to open it up and and take down some walls or does it just need a cosmetic change to suit my own personality? I think that's when it becomes really, really exciting. I couldn't agree more. I think that that there is a a lot of water to go under the bridge before you get to completion Um, as a buyer. Keep on asking the questions. Um, you would have engaged a lawyer uh, for the process. Uh, they will be asking a lot more questions. Uh, the, the actual facts of what is the length of the lease exactly? What does it contain in that lease? Is it, If it's freehold, are there any covenants to that particular uh, house? Um, so once you get to the exchange, you, you've got to keep on asking those questions but you've got to also show commitment. Uh, you have to show that you are proceeding. Uh, you can't just sit on a question for for, for a week. You've, you've got to keep the process going. Um, obviously, buying uh, as uh, buying a property as as well as for someone selling it, it's the exchange point that is the key. That is when it becomes law under contract. Um, at that stage, I think both of them um, should take a very well-earned break. I, I think the buyer should also remain calm. I think that at that point, he would have received the results of his survey. And every surveyor working on behalf of a buyer is going to be so black and white, so anal, so um, calculated in his approach as to how he perceives that property, that it could actually look quite ugly when you're reading you know, the summary and the condition of the property. And all of a sudden, something you think needs, you know, £300,000 worth of work and and it's causing you stress and actually you might not buy the property, actually could cost you £1,000 and it's been completely taken out of proportion. So I think it's important to understand that when you're reading the survey, you've got to understand it. You've got to speak to the agent, let him go through it with you, ring the surveyor up, ask him what things may cost because a lot of deals get broken down because that process doesn't happen and people panic. So I think remain calm, Listen to your agent, listen to your solicitor and take views where you think you can. 
I, I think it's also quite important to just bear in mind that everybody's, it's the last stage, but everybody's completion stage is different. So if you've got friends that have bought um, and their completion took four weeks, but yours has taken six, that's almost always negotiated before exchange so that the buyer and the seller are, are on the same wavelength and they have agreed that completion date. Uh, I mean, for new builds, it's completely different. You know, you get a whole completion pack with warranties and guarantees and build warranties and you have that file to hand. With secondary homes, um, it's different, though you may get some of that. You know, you've got to look at gas safety certificates and little pernickety things like this that you've really got to ensure that you have at completion um, or that your lawyer has a full pack. So when it comes to future for you selling onwards, you've got all that ready. Certainly where there is a listing to it, so uh, grade one, grade two star or grade two, there is a little bit more paperwork. How much more? (laughs) Not too much more. Um, Grade two, there's certain architectural features that that you can't touch, mostly to do with the outside and let's say staircases and uh, some cornicing, that kind of thing. Grade two star gets a little bit more serious and grade one, well, you're looking at Blenheim Palace. So probably not going to buy that. And then you can have the keys and you can move in and you can start your new chapter. And that's that's the fun part. Any final hints or tips for our listeners today? Call Lee Kaufman, 07710 (laughs) 469156, anytime. Any final tips would be um, don't be put off by the process at any stage. Um, It is a little bit stressful. So um, one key tip that I would give is just remain calm. Um, It is a little bit of a stressful situation and it may take longer um, than it needs to. But if you've got everything in place, um, then it should be quite efficient and hopefully stress free. But um, yeah, Will, any tips? Yes, I think every single purchase you will ever do will always bring up different things. So just be flexible. Um, understand any issues, um, but also take to heart that uh, there's actually uh, there's a reason to do it. Um, and uh, that's why you're buying a property and looking after it. Um, seeing your family grow, those are really, really the key things. Oh, well, thank you, Lee, Shireen and Will, for taking the time to talk to me today. If you need any more information, be sure to check out sotheby'srealty.co.uk and you can also find us on Instagram at Charlie Fisher and at UK Sotheby's Realty.